Hey, welcome, welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is On My Mind with Ray Perez. I'm your humble correspondent, Ray Perez. I appreciate you guys welcoming me into your living room. And the title of this podcast is Why is California so expensive? And, you know, I also wanted to, I thought, how do I create this podcast? And the, the way how I wanted to delve into this podcast, which I thought would be a good intro, is, is I received a question from a viewer asking me, about populism in the Republican Party and even in the left, and also should Republicans in California become more moderate, become more blue dog Democrat-like to gain more of a following, to actually gain more of the electorate, to be, I would assume, more like Virginia and Glenn Youngkin. We're going to actually discuss that. Also, to contributor over at OAN, Cynthia Cowie. She'll be joining me. You can find her on Twitter at... Cynthia Cowie, C-Y-N-T-I-A Cowie, K-A-U-I. She's on Twitter. Make sure you go give her a follow. And then also while we, while she is on here, we're going to talk about a little bit that we have these segments here on the show called Did You See That? The Did You See That's obviously the, uh, the shutdown mandates have, by some studies, have found that they were merely ineffective. Will that have any detriment to Democrats here in California? And also some cancel culture going on. With Joe Rogan and Whoopi Goldberg, we'll get into some of that. But first, I want to get into a question from a viewer. He asked, and this is what made me want to start the show. Question from a viewer, he asks, should Republicans evolve closer to Democrats? Also, what, uh, so, oh, no, excuse me. This is what he says. How do you feel about increasing populism and nationalism in the Republican Party? He says, I consider myself mostly blue Democrat. For example, I'm more sympathetic to folks like Bernie. If I may pivot from that, though, with populism, do you think Republicans should try to make common cause with moderate left populists and folks like blue dog Democrats? People struggling to get with health care or housing costs or on the lower end. And I actually get this quite a bit working in California politics, being in a very blue state. Should Republicans mean be more moderate? But when you say moderate, what do you what do you mean by that? I, I struggle with the with being a bot and the, with being a moderate because I live by the saying, if you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. You have to have principles that you stick by, even when it's not popular. Your values that you apply to situations, even if it doesn't favor you. I know this is really extreme on the right, but if you're actually really, you know, a staunch advocate of pro-life and Somebody, whether your girlfriend, your daughter, your cousin, whatever, they have an unplanned pregnancy. The easy thing to do is to say, look, hey, I don't have time. I don't have the money. This is this isn't for me right now. It's we're only in week two. Maybe it's not that bad. I want to get an abortion. Well, if you are principled, you would say this is going to be a struggle for me. But my beliefs are that this is life at conception and I'm going to live and die by my principles. That's. That's being a principled conservative. The listener mentions Bernie Sanders, but Bernie Sanders has been a champion for Medicare for all. We're going to get into this later on with Cynthia. Recently, AB 1400, California's payers, uh, Cal California's single payer health care just crashed and burned in the California State Assembly. They wouldn't even take up the bill. The Bernie wing of the California party couldn't even convince the rest of their Democrat colleagues to sign on to California's version that would have made private health care illegal. And the Barack Obama voice, if you like your health care, you can keep it. 
But th th there's two parts to this question, okay? And I think it's rooted, the, the root and the result is what makes California expensive. So part of it is, what is populism? That's number one. Should Republicans embrace it? The next thing is, should we embrace more liberalism? And I think those intertwine and are parallel. But let's define populism and nationalism. Populism is more of a strategy, a philosophy. And it's also what's popular right now. There are facets of populism on the left and on the right necessarily rooted in principle, but there are three points in populism. Loyalty, in-group loyalty, skepticism about free markets, and deep distrust of institutions. These, these three characteristics manifest different, right? Skepticism in free markets, you see it in Tucker Carlson. He actually has done a couple of monologues where he believes that we should tax Amazon more because it doesn't pay its employees enough. He just did a, a almost a 15-minute monologue a couple months ago. Now, a populist would say, yes, we need to be for the people because these corporations are getting away with all this money because they don't pay that many taxes. But if you're principled, you would say, well, if, these if there wasn't a government subsidy that these companies knew that their employees wouldn't get because they're not paying them enough, then you'd have more free markets, you'd have employees demanding a higher wage, supply and demand, you'd have Amazon not paying enough, but then this other company comes in and says, we'll pay you more. It's because of government subsidies. It's because of this populist idea that we need to tax Amazon because they're getting away with our money. No, it's because of overregulation. From the left, you have distrust as a blanket critique of where you get this institutional racism. The populist take would be the rich need to pay their fair share. But is that what is that what we should be doing here in California where the rich pay their fair share? When you make the Obama ideology redistribution, you get the results of slower business growth, less investment, trickle-down taxation, and in the name of trickle-down economics. There you have populism and liberalism hand-in-hand, hand, and you see it here in California. We have officially have had 10 years since income redistribution was introduced in the political diet. Why the wealthy should pay more and we, see, we even see this on the right, like I just mentioned with Tucker Carlson. But now that we see the result is, like Amazon, they want us to tax them more. They want more regulation because they can afford it. They can afford the taxation because that is eliminating their up-and-coming, the mom-and-pops, inherently through government regulation. That's what's allowing these corporations like the Amazons to come in, dominate the market, pay the tax, and not allow these mom-and-pop shops to come in here and compete and drive down costs and increase wages. It's because of the populism and the liberalism. The other day, the other day, uh, we have to—I want to go to Cynthia in just a second. 
the other day, I was speaking with an advocacy group about housing. And basically, their whole method is about helping those who can't necessarily afford to buy a home here in California. What they do is they come in, and it's with private donations. There are some uh, government grants that they receive, and every year they advocate to politicians here in California that they sh that they advocate for specific budget. And overall, bipartisan, this group is really good with building homes for those that make a combined household income of 90000 Combined household income of $90,000, they have a job, they have a paycheck, and they can afford the mortgage. Basically, they're there to help people get go from renters to homeowners. As they're advocating, I asked them one question. My question to them was, if you had less government regulation, would it be cheaper for you to build housing? The person's response to me is, they smiled, shrugged their shoulders, and said, yeah, pretty much. And they gave me an example. In the city that won't be named, Liberal City, they got a grant to build homes for about $800,000. But because of the red tape and overregulation here in California, the process waited two years. And over two years, the cost of building those respective homes for these people to go from renters to homeowners increased from what 800,000 to almost 2.1 million thus increasing and driving up the cost of housing then they have to go back to californian politicians and ask them for more money because of overregulation but you look at places like florida and texas where housing is Cheaper, the way of life, cheaper. I just got a PG&E bill just the other day. My aunt texted me. She goes, you'll never you'll get, get a load of this. We just received our PG&E bill, over $300. And PG&E overtly told her it's because we don't make our own energy. We have to rely on other countries. And I actually asked a consultant about this, and they said, yes, for the first time, PG&E, well, for the second time, actually, PG&E is actually being overt with their political talking points. The, the, the company that actually opened the floodgates was Uber. When Prop 22 came out, Uber came out, I think, they, against it. And it wasn't where corp corporations used to just take money and throw it into PACs and have PACs advocate for these companies, while the companies were like, I'm not getting political. But now because Uber went straight to their consumers and their drivers, they said, this is what these politicians are doing. They're driving up the cost. And that's what PG&E is doing now. They said, if Uber can do it, if they can go straight to the drivers, if they can go straight to the passengers, Uber put out commercials saying that, look, these policies here in California are driving up our costs. And now PG&E is doing it. The reason why California is so expensive is not because there's a Republican around here. There's not a Republican in sight that's in power. They're in the minority of everything. And as I mentioned with the whole populism on the left with Barack Obama and these canny slogans, the, the strategy, the problem with populism is that it really lacks principle. It's good for what people want. 
And right now, we shouldn't be, California should not be going to what got us here. If anything, the question should be, when should these blue dog Democrats, even those on the left, start going more to the center? That's what should be the question. And if you're wondering why everything is so expensive, it's not because Republicans, it's because there's a lack of freedom. There's a lack of the free market. I want to go to Cynthia. She is... She is a contributor to OAN. She'll be joining us in just a second when I go to break. I'm going to ask her to unpack what I said, some reactionary commentary. We're also going to go back to what it takes to, for Republicans to actually get back the electorate, even pre-Duke uh, Dick, uh, Dick Magian, the governor that preceded Pete Wilson. What is it going to take to get back to the Ronald Reagan era of government here in California? You're listening to On My Mind. I'm Ray Perez. Cynthia is next. All right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. We have Cynthia, Cynthia Cowie joining me today. Cynthia! Thanks so much for joining me. Give her a follow on Twitter, Cynthia Cowie. Cynthia, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Ray. Glad to be on here. That's awesome. So let, let's kind of unpack with the question that I was actually asked. Um, sh first, should Republicans get more, become, work more with moderate Democrats? How does that work? And what do you think about the strategy for Republicans to get the electorate back? To answer your first question, um, I'm just going to get really bold off the top. Um, I think we need to define what it means to be a moderate Democrat, um, because if I were to be honest about the state of the country on the national level, even on a state level here in California, the left and the Democrats' ideals and policies are destroying the country, and they have destroyed California for decades. So if we want to talk about, you know, reach across the aisle and, you know, things to work upon, like I want to get that straight. Um, but is there things that I think Democrats or Republicans can be bipartisan on and work together on? Absolutely. I think there's kitchen table issues and different pieces of legislation that both the left and the right can find common ground on and agree to disagree and, you know, be able to be productive and get things done. But, you know, as far as the overarching like apparatus, um, not really. I think that there needs to be a line drawn in the sand and, you know, whether the right, you know, takes some stances or not, or, you know, we're able to at least find, we're able to kind of like pull, like the, in the tug of war, like, I guess, kind of pull people to our side. I think that's the best way moving forward. Um, so, you know, that's kind of, you know, my opinion. Overall, I think, yes, um, we should always aim to agree to disagree, find common ground, figure out ways we can, you know, be productive when it comes to, you know, legislation on the federal, on the state level and on the local level, because, you know, it's different between activism and, you know, being an actual politician. I think people don't realize that, you know, that's part of the game is there's always going to be negotiations and are going to get everything that you want. It's very different, you know, being an activist than being an actual elected official. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think common sense wise, of course, we've there's always things that we can find common ground on. But overall, if you were to ask me, like, things that Democrats are doing on, 
you know, all sides of the aisle. Like, no, absolutely. I think that the ideas and the policies that the left is promoting have not only are destroying California, but even nationally, um, I think they're destroying the country. Yeah, I, 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 I think I, I couldn't agree with you more. Now, we're both like on the activism front, right? Now, we look at Virginia with Glenn Youngkin. They made education the forefront issue, taking education out of the hands of the government, out of the teachers' union, and giving it back to the parents, right? I, I'm really curious on your take because I, I don't have – because I don't have kids. I don't have anybody in my family that has children in school, whether it's public or – whether um, it's a charter school. I, so I don't have really a dog in the fight. It's difficult for me to grasp, right? But what actually does affect me is the cost of housing, my PG&E bill, gas, uh, law enforcement. I see, you know, walking to my job every day, I'm step, you know, I'm starting to step over homeless and I, I see homeless in boxers, just straight boxers downtown in 60 degree weather, right? Like I see things that are impacting me every day, right? Can school choice impact or sway the electorate here in California like it did in Virginia? What do you think? So that's a very, uh, requires a lot of taking a step back. So my take on the Virginia race, because I think uh, I do want to set the stage very properly. Um, the electorate is very different in Virginia and California. If people yeah, take right. a look at, this election and then even just the past two three elections um they would see that the elections for virginia were actually pretty close um in fact even like for youngkin um it was only close by like two or four percentage points so it was very very close um but 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 to add though because i don't want to take away from his victory it was what a 13 point swing because it's a d plus 10 right you're d plus 10 and it ended up what an r plus three so that's still a 10-point swing. That's still a major swing. But the thing is, is can that swing happen in California? Well, again, so like there, I have to set the stage because I have a lot of opinions about that because I do want to be pretty rooted and realistic about California because um, even though Virginia is a great case study, um, I think I would be doing your views disservice to kind of you know, think the same thing can happen in California, because I think in some ways it's possible, but I think it takes work. So for Virginia, um, and, and that's not to say that it was impossible, because if you look at the three pollsters, and when I see the top big three, I'm talking about like Crystal Ball, um, at Inside Elections, and then Cook, um, they actually did rate, rate this gubernatorial race as toss-up, and I think Crystal Ball actually rated it lean red. So it was definitely in the ball house for Youngkin to win. So I'm definitely not saying it wasn't impossible. What I am saying is if we were to compare that, um, Virginia's elections have been close, give or take, you know, for Republican to win. So in my personal opinion, I felt like it was kind of like a lot of seeds for Republicans were being planted over several, several years. Mm -hmm. So I think it was a little bit inevitable for Republicans to take the stage um, and with education being at the forefront and with the unpredictable climate as far as what, you know, the pandemic, I want, I want to be careful about what words I say, but with the pandemic, um, I think those are things out of Youngkin's control that I think contributed as well. Some other things that helped him in his favor also was um, when McAuliffe made that gaffe at the debate, basically saying that parents, I don't think parents should have a say in their children's education. 
you know, different things like that, I think helped swing it as well. I'm not saying that it was like the only thing, but those are things I think viewers should consider as well. Um, that being said, when it comes to California, um, I think it depends on what office you're talking about. Um, but I, but do I believe that education should be at the forefront of a Republican's campaign? Um, absolutely. I think that education is out of all the policies when it comes to persuading people to at least to be on like the GOP side. I, I think it's probably like the least polarizing issue um, because when you talk about your children, when you talk about family, I think those are that's a topic that transcends politics because I think that's something that, mm. you know, people that it gets people emotional. And I think also it's things that everyone deals with, whether you're a Republican or or a Democrat. Um, nine times out of 10, you're going to get married. Nine times out of 10, you're going to having kids. Nine times out of 10, they're going to be in school, whether that's government schools, whether that's private school, whether that's parochial, whether that's homeschooling. That's kind of like, you know, the, the meaning of life. And it's kind of like things that are going to be inevitable. Um, now to give some context, cause maybe I can persuade you or maybe you're, I can persuade your viewers. I am yeah. also not married. I don't have children myself, but the education, the pu public policy I care about the most is education. Now, why do I care so much about education? Even though I'm not in that stage of life where I technically should be caring about education. The two biggest reasons I can tell people is this. The first one, if you're someone that, um, you believe you you want to be able to give back to people and um, you want to think about something and aim for something that's a little bit higher than yourself. Um, I think that education is one way to go about it because I cannot think of anything more altruistic than caring about the future generations. Um, and when you think about it, these kids, even if they're not your own, they're going to grow up and be your future leaders. They're going to grow up and be the future educators. They're going to be grow up, grow up to be the future politicians. They are going to grow up and be the people that are building the roads that we're going to be driving on. So they're going to be impacting you. And the second other reason people should care about education, even if you don't have, you know, something to invest in this fight is think about, like you mentioned, um, one thing that you care about is housing and, you know, crime. Um, well, you want to make sure that kids are in good schools or they're on the right track, because even if they're not your own kids, you know, there's a negative consequence because if those kids aren't on the right track, they're going to go out and do bad things in society. And so you're going to be facing those consequences as well. So regardless of whether you have children yourself, you should, you should still be invested in this education fight because you could be facing positive consequences and negative consequences. So when it comes to California, um, I think that it's a very loaded question because I think, you know, it depends on what kind of race you're running. If I was advising someone running for state assembly here in California, yeah, absolutely. I think if you're a Republican, um, you're tone deaf. If you won't include your education in your policies mm -hmm. proposals for your three messages, um, for statewide, a um, little bit, you know, I have a lot of opinions about statewide elections as a Republican. And, and you um, know, I, I want to jump in here really quick because I think this is kind of important before we go to my next topic. My next topic in a second is going to be how shutdowns were a mistake and how that could actually play in the pockets of Republicans. But the one thing that I actually want you to touch on really quick, you and I have had conversations about people wanting to jump in seats for Congress because it's a glorious job. And you've actually said, all you're really doing at Congress is, is important because we need to take back the house. It is important, right? But you're really just asking for funding, right? 
tell me why you think it is better for any candidate. I'm going to mention the name. You don't want to, but I'm going to say it, okay? Guys like Major Williams. What is your case for somebody like him that should be running for assembly instead of governor or instead of Congress? How can they serve their constituents more by running for assembly and not for Congress? Ray Prez, you opened up a can of worms mentioning Major Williams. I you know, hadn't. You know what? I, you you're not. I'm just. I gotta. I, I gotta add some. No, I'm some saying like I don't agree with you, and I'm not shy to say his name. Um, I didn't know which name you're gonna bring up, but um, when KUSI News actually brought him up and announced he was running for governor, I quote, quote tweeted that tweet of his interview and did the red flag emoji because I was like, no, um, yeah, so. <laughs> So, um, so you don't agree with him running for governor? Yeah, correct. So, I don't agree. Right, okay. So, and I bring that up because he's a prime example. He's been talked about by Rob Pyers for a variety of reasons. But I really want to get to, you and I have had conversations in private why you really do think that people like him or anybody should be running for state assembly and not Congress. Why do you say that? So I think that, Looking at someone with studying redistricting, um, I feel like California in general did not, even just like for a lot of areas locally and statewide, but especially on the congressional side, um, we really got screwed over. So for me, like I don't quite understand when I hear conversations from people about how there's a lot of opportunities in California, because in my head, when I was looking at the maps and I was following along, I was thinking, and I still maintain this opinion we're fortunate if we even keep the seats that we even have. In fact, uh -huh. there are even some Republican and Senate seats. Um, and these are people who are incumbents, mind you, that are kind that are going to be fighting for the ballot of their lives in primaries. Um, so I want to, I want to preface this by saying that I'm not saying Congress is not important. Um, I think it is important for Republicans to take the house and the Senate. Um, I have a, you know, if people study like the, what happens at this Capitol in Washington, D.C., um, it's kind of pointless if you're not in a majority because you're not in committees. You can't really do much. So it's really there's no point unless you're in the majority party. So I'm not saying it's not important. And I definitely care about Republicans winning. However, when it comes to California and when I think about what is wrong with the state, the only thing that I can think of is like, how can we get our state back on track? Like you mentioned at the beginning of your monologue. And, you know, towards the end, you care about making sure things are affordable and the rise in crime. I care about that, too. If I could think of five bullet points on issues that I think California should be focusing on, those two are on my list. Education is one of them. Um, the environment. And when I say environment, I mean wildfires, droughts, farmers, agriculture, and then also homelessness. Like those five things are things that are impacting California. When I think about what Congress accomplishes and then when I think about what our state op office is accomplished, um, I think about which office can help the most in that regard. And it's state assembly, it's state senate. And then I would even take a step further and say local seats. So um, and my case is, you know, I've heard people, you know, say that, like, you know, because we have such a veto supermajority on the Democrat side, um, we should care more about Congress more than, you know, state assembly in California. So that I would say that's an illogical fallacy. If you study campaigns, um, it costs, if someone wants to make a dent and have an actual competitive chance to win, um, you need at least a hundred, not, I'm not, one million or $2 million for a congressional race. 
um, for state assembly, you know, maybe around half of that, at least. I know um, for someone that I'm helping, they need 400, 400K. Um, and so I think about that. I'm like, what's easier to, 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 to be more competitive, a state assembly race or congressional? Um, and on top of that, too, yes, the Democrats in the state assembly do have a veto supermajority. However, they actually only got that in 2018. So it's not like they've right. always had it. That's in right. fact, it That's happened right. during the it happened during the 2018 blue wave. Um, and the Democrats actually flipped five state assembly seats. And mm -hmm. two Republicans that could have won didn't win their race. So they, they were able to flip five seats and get that veto supermajority. So it's not like, you know, I understand like in general, the Democrats have a majority, but there's a difference between saying that it's mostly Democrats there and then saying they have a veto supermajority. They only got that veto supermajority in 2018. So it wasn't that That's long ago. And they were able to accomplish a lot and really leverage that 2018 blue wave where they did very, very well in. I, I know this is, and I totally don't mean to open a, up a can of worms that this, I know for sure that this subject is going to come up for conservatives. We're going to, I'm, I know in about a year, I'm going to do a podcast on this, but a very short version of this, because Donald Trump was the leader of the Republican Party, now that he's not anymore, meaning not in office, is it feasible to gain at least half of those seats back, two to three, because he's no longer in the spotlight? Also, thanks to Twitter, right? Because Twitter took the, took his Twitter account away. They think, ha-ha. We gotcha, but really, it's like you're doing Republicans a favor by not having him constantly on Twitterverse because there's a downstream effect of Trumpism. What, like, I'm a Trump voter, liked all his policies, but him not being in the spotlight doesn't have a downstream effect, right? Do you see him not being in the spotlight or not being in a leadership position? We can turn back these seats. I I actually don't know if it's. I understand where you're trying to get at. Um, I actually I think I might push back and disagree on that. Um, mm -hmm. I, but for me, um, if I were to look at 2022 midterms, I would say overall, um, not necessarily by the fact that he's not on Twitter, I would say more so it's because it's an off year. So I don't think Biden or Trump, because they're both not on the tickets per se, are mm -hmm. going to be as much of a huge factor for the average American voter. See, you and me are nerds. So we think about right. this, right? That's but right. on the That's ticket, right. But on the ticket, um, Trump or Biden will not be on there. So I think that people's mindsets, they're not, I don't know if they're necessarily thinking like, oh, Trump is so bad. And like, I think well, they would also so, think so, that so let, me, on Twitter. Let, let, let me push back though. I, I'm going to push back a little bit because like before we came on here, it's like, hey, I want to have this conversation amongst conservatives that are nerds, right? I, I specifically say this because like you were active in the recall, right? I'm assuming yeah. you were out there. I'm here in the People's Republic of Davis, where it's like commie central. But I said, you know what? I want to go out in the belly of the beast. I'm going to go out there with the Yolo County Republican Party, like you did with the San Diego Republican Party. And I went out there just to chat with people. I'm Latino Pacific Islander. I'm bilingual. I'm a millennial. Um, I'm not rich. And I just wanted to talk to these commies, right? And before we could even get to a topic of conversation, the first thing that they, that they prefaced is with, did you vote for Trump? You know what I mean? So it's like they can't say that anymore because now, and we kind of saw it in, in Virginia, right? It's even Democrats who didn't like him were like, look, Biden, look, 
Obama, you keep using Trump's not here anymore. And that's kind of why you got more of blue dog Democrats, if there is one, voting for Youngkin. Because it's like, dude, Trump's not here anymore. You can't use him as a cudgel anymore, right? So I think that's where my where my thinking comes in is that he's long gone. Anybody who does bring up Trump as a Democrat, it's like you're out of touch. Or do you, do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Um, in fact, um, another tidbit about that 2018 blue wave is the Democrat strategy was to not it sounds really crazy now because I feel like that's all they talk about Trump, but like electorally speaking, um, the Democrat strategy for the 2018 blue wave was they're like, let Trump run his mouth, you know, let that do their thing. And that's how they actually got a lot of victories. So I think there is something to be said, you know, if the conversation is more on like policies and issues and maybe yeah. more so on like leading people with values in contrast to like who is sitting in like the presidential seat, whether that's a Republican or Democrat, I think that there's something to be said about that. Um, yeah. I want to play a clip really quick, you know, talking about policies, the policies that were led by that were spearheaded by Democrats between 2020 and 20 up between 20 and 2022. Right. We have now seen the downstream effect of closures of uh, of. Uh, uh, clo uh, what do you call it? Um, shutdowns, school closures, masks. I want to play this clip that you actually shared with me. You actually uh, put this. You put this together, actually, for One American News. Uh, let's play the tape. John Hopkins University confirms COVID lockdowns have little to no effect on public health. Researchers found that lockdowns in the U.S. and Europe during the first COVID wave in the spring of 2020 reduced mortality by just 0.2%. They concluded lockdowns shouldn't be used because the economic and social consequences far outweigh health benefits. Researchers looked at mask mandates, school shutdown, and business closures in this study. They determined shelter-in-place orders actually led to more drug overdoses, domestic violence incidents, lowered children's IQ and social learning. It also increased unemployment and small businesses were closed down. And here. So I want to bring, you know, bring this back. That's the package that you put together at One American News. Also, don't forget, follow Cynthia at Cynthia Kwai on Twitter. Those are specific policies. Are those policies enough to turn blue dog Democrats, moderates, independents in San Diego and saying, look, my business is shut down. I'm Latino. Maybe I'm African-American. You're seeing a lot more of the Latino vote turning conservative, not just in Florida. You're seeing border towns in Texas flipping, changing to Republican. How are those issues going to impact the coming up 2022 election? I think that is going to be at the forefront. And I think also because in California in particular, because we failed to recall um, Newsom, um, obviously you and me did not support, you know, keeping Newsom in office, but, you know, majority rules, um, Newsom is still in office. Um, so I think as a state, we are suffering the consequences of that also. So I think I just feel like it's going to be a great area of opportunity for Republicans to really hone in on that. But on top of also embracing the fact how bad the state is, I hope that as a party and as conservatives, we focus on solutions instead of saying that because of Democrats, this is why it's bad. Mm -hmm. We should be speaking about this is how it can be better. And this is what we can bring to the table. What are the values that us conservatives and as a Republican party, we can talk about? Um, so I think, yes, 
the problem the the environment is there for us but we mm -hmm. need to see it and i hope we as a party and as a conservative apparatus we're able to actually latch onto it because it's ours to gain and i hope that we don't lose the opportunity like we did with the recall Cynthia, we have Cynthia Cowie from One American News joining us. I really appreciate you, you know, covering, you know, what's what's next for Republicans, how we can start changing the electorate here in California. And, and I think it's it's about ex setting expectations, right? Like we don't think that you and I being both political nerds, we have friends that aren't as nerdy as us, but we have to convey and, you know, with them slowly plant seeds. Maybe they're not that political and say, look, we know we're not going to win the gubernatorial seat in 2022. We know that, right? But here's what we can do. These common sense policies at the city council level, at the assembly level, recruiting, we can do that. That's what Cynthia and I have been talking about there. Now, Cynthia, I do have to pivot. We've been agreeing a little too much for my taste. We need to disagree on some things. Okay. Are you ready for some disagreement? Sure. We have this. We ha I have a segment on here called, um, did you see that? That did you see that is a tweet from Cynthia. Did you see that? We're going to get to that when we come back from break. You ready, Cynthia? It's a did you see that? Don't go anywhere. Cynthia, Cynthia Cowie's here. We'll be right back. I knew it. <laughs> Cynthia. <laughs> Cynthia. We have to chat here, man. What are you doing? <laughs> I had to bring this up. I couldn't I couldn't let this go. You know, before I came on here, I said, I gotta put on my Reagan shirt. I, I was like, but if but if I like her tweet, she's gonna watch me. I was like, you know what? Well, let, let her let her let her watch it. Um I, I wanna I wanna get your thoughts on this. Yeah, so I think um basically from your monologue and then even from that tweet itself um i think the one thing you and me would probably disagree on is you know our our like allegiances to the ideal to the value of populism i would consider myself to be more of a populist um that being said um basically overall i'm for limited government but especially like for covid or some certain things going on with like the school issues like the mandates and critical race theory. Um, I'm in favor of banning that stuff. Um, because I don't necessarily think that because it's banning that you, that doesn't mean necessarily people can't do it. Um, but if you were to like, ask me if it's like, you know, for good measures, like I would say no, like do I think the government should be able if the individual is there, you know, an authority is able to do as much as they can, and overstep the bounds of yes, of like the, the pseudo like limited government per se. And instead of letting like private sectors, you know, kind of be the one to take the reign, I think those that's kind of like not a great extreme as well. Also, on the other hand, when I see liberals feel that those kinds of powers are more conducive, like in government agencies, I think that extreme is not great as well. So I think that's those are things maybe you and I probably disagree with. Now, when it comes to Reagan, um, I would say that he's not a terrible president, but you don't think I he's will... the greatest? 
No. Who 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 would you say is the greatest? I when I think of my favorites, um, obviously Trump's up there. Um, but I also like Teddy Roosevelt. I like Calvin Coolidge, um, and you know some other ones as well. So um, can, can so, I ask? So what what is your what, okay? So to to be more specific, what's your definition of conservatism? To me, conservatism is, you know, it's kind of been like a crazy journey to me because I think, you know, when I think of certain things about like even like the Constitution, I was even talking about like with one of our good friends early today, I was like, I showed them like some content about like the Constitution. We were having like some back and forth, you know, talking about as well. Um, even like the Constitution, like one thing that I think is very, very weird that I think I would probably disagree with a lot of mainstream conservatives on is like, I always like, it's weird to see people glorify it. Like it's like the best thing on planet earth, the best thing since sliced bread. I think it's great. And I think it had some great things to it. Um, do I think it's perfect? And do I think that has flaws? And do I think that, you know, that should be like as glorified as it is? I don't think so. I think that it was a revolutionary document i think it had some great ideas but didn't do you think it's a living thought. do you think it's a living breathing document what do you mean by that do, do you think that it's a document that should grow with time basically like i think some of the ideals were great for its time before but do i think like what's do i think it stands the test of time and do i think we should go back to certain things of it no okay i don't think fair, now, fair enough. Oh, go ahead. now when it comes to reagan in particular um, like I said, I think he was a great president for his time. Um, the thing that I do want to kind of paint the overall picture is for someone that like is more of a populist and someone that holds Trump as one of her like more idealistic presidents that I liked in regards to policy and some other things. The thing that I see the most is like with the battle between like the populism and that, um, is like, it's like Reaganism versus Trumpism. Now, I definitely agree with people when they get tired of hearing the word Trumpism because I understand, you know, not tying like a president to like ism. It's just be like populism with conservatism. So I can understand, you know, people pushing back on that. But it's just the best way of painting it because these are kind of like battles I see like offline, online. Um, so I guess like the best way to put it, I guess, is maybe like the ideals that Reagan pushed, which is like more of like limited government, not as much like as populism as maybe Trump. So do, do you think I, that I, I want to just jump in here really, really quick? Cause I do got to get to my next story, right? I just want to jump in. Do you think with the Trumpism as two time Trump voter really like his policies? Do you think that with the Trumpism comes the personalities? Because with Reagan, it was, he was the Gipper. He was the grandfather that stood, you know, that, that stood against evil and the Soviet union and the tear down that wall. And he's, that's a guy that everybody got along with. Do you think it's the battle of personalities as well that people aren't really that conservatives are subliminally using against the two? Oh, I think so. I wouldn't deny that. Even like people like for Obama, people made that contrast with Trump, right? Like because he was huh. like right, 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 more like the people guy or whatever. I I don't believe that, but I understand like how if you even just without contrasting Reagan, you know, I do think you know personalities can play a factor. In my personal opinion, I don't think personality should play a factor when you vote. But I understand, you know, I'm not, I'm not voting yeah. for people. I, I can't be in their minds. I, I want to. Okay, so lastly, because we do got to get going, I don't want to take too much time, too much more of your time. I want to share a story with you that actually was just sent to me, like not even 
about 10 minutes before we went on air. And I said, what in the mouth say dong crap is this? I want to get your I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, I will uh, read it according to the Washington Examiner. Born in the USA, Eileen Gu will compete for China in the 2022 Winter Olympics. Abigail Ad Adcox writes, California-born skier is drawing harsh criticism from spurning the Team USA to compete for China in the Beijing Olympics. At just 18 years old, freestyle skier Aileen Gu is one of the China is one of China's biggest medalist hopefuls in the 2022 Winter Olympics, despite the fact that she was born and raised in the United States. Now, you kind of get the gist of that, right? So you kind of have to beg the question, is she really a microcosm of the upcoming generation of the Gen Zers that, of the Gen Zers on the left, right? That, that they're maybe just so disappointed. And you, you have to kind of surmise, right? That she's probably not happy with the U.S. And she's going to go to China, who is, you know, who is enslaving thousands of people because of their race. It, do you think that that kind of signifies Gen Zers on the left? On the left, um, yes, overall. I also, however, um, there have been some studies um, and statistics that have shown that Gen Zs have are actually more conservative than even our generation, the millennials. Interesting. Um, yeah, that's so right. I've seen that's that right. also. Um, but yeah, I would say for the Zoomers on the left, that is a very, very true sentiment. Um, and that's yeah, and, something and that's that's why I said not when yeah, that's why I specifically said not just Gen Zers, but Gen Zers on the left, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hey Cynthia, one last question. One last question before I go. I really appreciate you being here. Last question, and this is just a general question. It's for everything. Twenty twenty four. Who do you think takes the Republican nomination, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis? Donald Trump. You think Donald Trump, huh? Yes. Okay. All right. I'm taking Ron DeSantis. We're gonna have to come back for that. We're gonna yeah. have to come back to this question. Hey, Cynthia, thanks so much for joining me. I have Cynthia Cowie over at One American News. Give her a follow on Twitter. Cynthia, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate that. You have a good night. Thank you, you too. Have a good night. Hey, guys, I appreciate you guys tuning in. We had Cynthia Cowie. This is my first time having a guest on here. A really bright nerd like me, self-proclaimed nerd, that is really gets into the thick of things. And the one thing that I can't hit, hit home more is the fact that we have to not only get involved, but just start voting differently at the state level, right? Because if you look around here in California, you look at the homelessness, you look at the, uh, you look at forest fires, the house, the the cost of housing. Uh, one thing I actually forgot to read earlier over at the Cato Institute, Vanessa Brown Calder, she actually wrote a piece. Um, that starts with local zoning and land use regulations have, have increased substantially over decades. These constraints on land development within cities and suburbs aim to achieve, achieve very, a variety of safety, environmental, and aesthetic goals. We, that, that happens not only just with housing, that also happens with energy. That happens with gas. We don't, we don't want to invest in nuclear. We, we pay 80 more cents on the dollar here in California, when it comes to gas, because they want that it's in the name of environmentally safe. That's fine, but how far are you going to take it? You have EDD that's out of control. You have so many issues, and you have to ask, how did you get here? Why are we so expensive? Whether you're a populist, you're a conservative, you're a blue dog Democrat, 
you have to kind of look around and say, look, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. At some point, at some point, maybe think we should do something a little different. Maybe stop handing out free needles in San Francisco so our kids who are going to school don't have to step over feces and needles and somebody who's comatose from a drug overdose at 2 in the afternoon on a Tuesday. San Francisco hasn't had a Republican in over 80 years in that city. Here in Sacramento, we have tent cities. Like, I was driving to the gym on I-5 North, and there was a, a small encampment on fire. No Republican in sight. And Cynthia hit it on the head. Get involved at your city council. Get involved with your assembly. Get behind people that you know are going to have conservative values and do things differently that have been going on here over the last 20 years here in California. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Ray Perez, and this is On My Mind. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a good night.